Hi, I'm Heather Mulder. And I'm Janice Greeno, and you're listening to Dementia Untangled, where we explore the topic of dementia through conversations with physicians, experts, and community leaders. Our discussions focus on innovative ideas, practical strategies, and proven methods to guide caregivers along a supportive path. Hello, and welcome to Dementia Untangled. Thank you for joining us for this episode of our podcast. Today, our conversation will be with Jerry Jacobs, a licensed clinical social worker with Banner Alzheimer's Institute, and we will be untangling caregiving. In the 2023 Alzheimer's Association Facts and Figures report, it stated that more than 11 million caregivers of people with Alzheimer's disease or other dementias provided an estimated 18 billion hours of unpaid care. But there are two sides to every coin. There's this monetary value to care on one side, but many people who are caregivers don't even see themselves as such. They see it as fulfilling their duty or a badge of honor, where putting a price on it doesn't really begin to describe the experience. Caring for someone with dementia can take a physical, psychological, emotional, and monetary toll, but the other side of the coin shows that caregiving doesn't always take, it also gives. What a dichotomy we find ourselves in. Caregiving can be described as challenging and difficult, but also as beautiful and a gift. I'm looking forward to talking more today with Jerry about the two sides of caregiving. And Heather, that statement that caregiving doesn't always take, it also gives, is so beautiful. And these statistics about unpaid care are absolutely staggering. And the care given is such a beautiful gift. And when you take into consideration that Alzheimer's and other related dementias can last so long, and it's not all in stage, it can be a very long, difficult journey. And as one caregiver shared, it seems like just when I get things figured out, something changes. And these changes can be so difficult and they come with costs, costs to health and well-being. And there are just so many losses for many to be able to give back to someone that they love, maybe someone who cared for them, like my own grandma, is a gift not only to the person being cared for, it is also a gift to the carer. And it is also powerful to see caregivers lifting each other up in support groups and encouraging one another toward self-care and sharing tips like, remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I'm also looking forward to this conversation with Jerry today. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Heather and Janice. I'm so pleased to be here with you both today. Before we untangle caregiving, I want to learn a little bit more about you. 
Can you tell us about your journey and what led you to connect with the dementia community? I think probably my first exposure to people with dementia was as a young child. My grandfather had what they called at the time hardening of the arteries, but I believe he really suffered from some form of dementia. And my family, we would go visit him in a nursing home where he lived at some point in his life. And my sister and I would do performances for him and the other residents at the facility. So that was really my first exposure. I've been a social worker for a really long time, over 30 years. And a good portion of my career has been in healthcare. So I've worked in a variety of different healthcare settings and seeing people at different stages of disease processes. And I've worked with different disease processes I had the opportunity to work for a hospice organization before coming to the Alzheimer's Institute and really enjoyed working with people and families who were experiencing some kind of dementia, primarily at the end of life. But often there were people coming on to service who, who weren't in the last stages of the disease. And so um, I really found that I enjoyed working with them, that it was a great opportunity to connect and to provide support and education. So I was thrilled um, when the opportunity arose to join the team at the Banner Alzheimer's Institute. Well, Jerry, you bring a wealth of experience working with all different types of caregivers. So I want to just take a minute to try to level set because I know in conversations with family members, who are providing care and are technically caregivers, they may not identify with that term. As we said, they view it as their duty or an honor. What is a caregiver? I think a caregiver, Heather, is anyone who's providing assistance to another person. I think, as you mentioned, you know, in many cultures and many different family organizations, People see their role as caring for each other as as part of what they do with people that they love and also even with people that they may have had some conflict with in their life. I've worked with many care partners who have said that, you know, they weren't always really nice to me when I was young, but the disease has helped them to be a different person person now. And I'm so glad I had this opportunity to spend time with them and to care for them at this stage in their life. So the term caregiver, as Janice mentioned, also a carer. I think in in England, they use that term to describe caregiver. I like the term care partner. Um, I think it's really about partnering with the person who has dementia in supporting them. And that can look different as their disease progresses. So you may start out doing more assistance with what are called instrumental activities of daily living, of helping with managing finances or the household or cooking or shopping. But as the disease progresses, people require more assistance with activities of daily living like bathing and dressing. So being a care partner or caregiver or carer it's really an expression of love that we show to someone who's important in our life. Jerry, that's such a beautiful definition, an expression of love. Acknowledging that role 
that expression of love, of caring for another person, why is that important for someone to acknowledge that that is a role that they are in? I think it's important, Janice, to acknowledge that for several different reasons. I think one is that you have a different relationship now with the person that you're caring for than you might have had in the past. So, you know, um, a husband and wife or husband and husband or wife and wife or son and mother or daughter, father, those are roles and relationships that we have with one another. I think it's important to acknowledge the caregiver or care partner role because it allows us to bring some awareness to ourselves of the extra things that we're doing. I think when when we don't acknowledge that this is work, that we are doing things for our loved one, that we don't give ourselves what we need. So if I just see my role as a care partner, oh, this is just something that I do, I may not in a clear way, acknowledge the extra things that I'm doing. Um, And so I think being able to say, I am a son, I am a daughter, I am a care partner, helps us to learn how to care for the other person while also acknowledging all that we do. And I think this is important because being a care partner is a difficult job. And I think when we don't acknowledge that we're doing that, we may have a tendency to not pay attention to what our own needs are and therefore may not be taking good care of ourselves along with taking care of our loved one. I think you bring up important points about needing to acknowledge this role in your life. And I think maybe another benefit of acknowledging this is the ability to set boundaries because especially as the disease progresses, the role of caregiving can get greater. And I I find often caregivers start to lose the other roles that essentially make them who they are as the role of caregiver gets that much bigger. Uh, I'm curious your take on that, Jerry. I think that's an an astute observation, Heather. I think, you know, as I was speaking about that when I'm a spouse and I'm also a caregiver, as my person with dementia, as their their needs for assistance and care grow, I may become less and less of a spouse um, because my person isn't able to communicate with me in the same way that they were before. They're not sharing in some of the decision-making that we might have done together when, when we were younger and, and earlier in our relationship. And so I think being able to see the different roles that we have in relationship can be helpful because it can help the care partner to be able to set aside time where they can not be the care partner, but can be the spouse, can be the the daughter or the son, can be the partner to their person. And so that acknowledging that, yes, this is something that I'm doing, allows them to also see the other roles that they have with this person. And even as the disease progresses, you don't stop being your your spouse's spouse. You don't stop being your parent's child. And being able to keep some sense of those different roles, I think, can be really healthy for the care partner. 
Jerry, you mentioned so many transitions and I wondered if you could talk to us just for a moment about losses and ambiguous loss. Ambiguous loss is a concept that was developed in the 1970s by a family therapist and professor from the University of Minnesota, Dr. Pauline Boss. And she found that when she became a dementia care partner to her husband, that the term applied to her also in this new role that she had. And really what ambiguous loss refers to is an unresolved grief. So the person, your person has changed and they're not the same person that they were before. And oftentimes what care partners experience as depression or stress or anxiety is really the grief over the change in this relationship. And when when we lose someone through death, there are lots of rituals that help us to acknowledge the grief that we experience. But when our loved one gets diagnosed with a dementia, we don't have those rituals that help us to manage our grief. And so in acknowledging that unresolved grief, Dr. Boss did a beautiful job of talking about how you can move through that grief, how to learn to stop thinking in in either or terms, but in both and, being able to hold more than one thought in our mind and more than one emotion and acknowledging that this is difficult, but there's also joy in being a care partner to someone with dementia has really helped so much for so many people. I have a, a beautiful example of a um, care partner who whose husband has frontotemporal dementia and she was having such a difficult time engaging with him and it was so stressful for her. She attended a class that we offer at the Banner Alzheimer's Institute called Steps to Hope that that um, helps care partners look at ambiguous loss. And after going through that course, she was able to acknowledge her grief and the change in their relationship. She was able to start visiting her husband again, start enjoying his company, and eventually able to bring him back home from living in a group home. So it really helped her to to face what was happening um, in her relationship and for her to learn how to bring joy back into her own life. I think we have all experienced the power of ambiguous loss ever since we kind of learned about this and started sharing it with family members. I know I've had experiences talking about it and you can almost see a visible weight lift off of caregivers shoulders you talk about that concept of both and and I think that is so powerful too I am both a caregiver and a wife I am both a caregiver and a friend and I found this really being instrumental in helping caregivers realize the importance of self-care. Talk to us a little bit more about why it's so necessary that caregivers take the time to care for themselves. Janice mentioned it earlier in our conversation when we started talking today about needing to um, fill your own cup, that you can't give to someone else unless you have something to give. And I think acknowledging the stresses that can be inherent in the role, the additional responsibilities that care partners are taking on um, in, in caring for their loved one, that it's important to 
set time aside to care for oneself. As we said, if we, if my well isn't full, I don't have anything to give to someone else. And unfortunately, many care partners don't acknowledge that need to care for themselves or may feel that it's selfish to do that. But I really think that unless you are able to do things that that nourish you, that support you, that help you be present with your loved one who has dementia, the job is so much harder to do. So self-care is really important and learning how to ask for help from others is equally as important. Cherry, thank you for sharing about the importance of self-care, of acknowledging the need and for asking for and receiving help. Sometimes that is really difficult for people. Can you talk to us about how to do that? It is difficult for some people to ask for help. I think that there are lots of great tools out there for assisting people to reach out to friends and family to ask for help. I think it's helpful to ask for specific things that you might need. As a care partner, it's great to sit down and make a list of what are the things that you do now for your person that you may not have done in the past. And to look at areas where, could someone else help me with this? If my person needs a ride somewhere, could someone do it? And I think when you ask for specific things, you know, hey, John, would you be able to come over on Tuesday at two o'clock to, to sit with Bob while I go have coffee with a friend? He's much more likely to say yes. And if he says no, then you can say, okay, that's fine. I have a few other things on my list. Might you be able to help with one of them? There are good websites out there like Lots of Helping Hands and Caring Village where you can co connect people in your community who might be available to assist and give them opportunities to participate. I think we mentioned this before that it's a gift to be able to help someone else and it's a gift to be able to receive help. So sometimes our care partners just need to be reminded of that, that it's not possible to do this alone. We are all interdependent and need each other. I'm glad you bring up that gift again, because in a, a recent episode, one of our former caregivers was talking about, as she reflected on her experience, how she didn't really open the door to letting friends and family help um, and how she now looks at it as that was, would have been their gift to her. And if the situation were reversed, how much she would have wanted to support them. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the importance of allowing others to step in, whether it's family, friends, or professionals to step in and support the caregiver and the person who's receiving the care? As I said, it's a it's a team effort. You know, we're all interdependent and we all need others. So I think when we're looking at what are the things that I could use some help with, there are lots of avenues out there, as you mentioned, Heather, besides, you know, friends, families, our spiritual community. We may also need to engage professionals through private caregivers or working with a caregiving agency. Sometimes we need to expand our circle into um, more residential care 
if our person is at that stage of disease and we're not able to continue to care for them at home or feel that that would be a much better environment for them to be in. So there's different layers, I believe, of help out there. And in it changes as the disease progresses. So you may not need as much help today as you may need in the years ahead. And knowing what those resources are out there and how to access them can be very helpful to care partners. And I want our listeners to know that they can find out more about some of these things we've been talking about, about pre-planning and ambiguous loss on some of our earlier episodes. So make sure to check those out. And Jerry, one of the things that we've been talking about is support groups. So talk to us about connecting with others. Support groups, opportunities like memory cafes, if they happen in your community, can be wonderful opportunities to connect with other people who are going through a similar experience. I think for some people, being a care partner can be isolating, where we may be spending more time at home with our person. We may feel like we don't want to be telling everyone, you know, our friends or loved ones about what's going on, because they may not be going through the same experience. And sometimes I hear care partners say, well, I don't want to burden them with, with you know, hearing about my struggles that I have in the day. So reaching out to groups of like-minded people, to other care partners. And there are so many different support groups offered. I know through the Banner Alzheimer's Institute, we have groups for care partners that are weekly, we have monthly, we have groups for adult children who are caring for a parent, whether that's in person or long distance. So I think it's important to reach out to others. And I hear so much great feedback from folks who attend support group who say, I didn't know there were other people out here experiencing the same thing that I'm experiencing. I I facilitate an adult child support group for Banner and I had a woman join us the other day who she was in tears. She said, I feel such relief to hear that I'm not the only one going through this and I'm not the only one struggling like this. And thank you for sharing your experiences with me so that I can feel less alone. So I think there's lots of opportunities out there to seek support and they're not for everyone. I know some folks think, oh, well, I don't want to listen to other people talk about what they're feeling. But I think, again, it's that opportunity not only to gain support, but also to give support. So, um, you know, you may have experiences and, and have gotten through things with your person that you can share with others. So it's always a give and take. And I I think support groups, memory cafes can be great opportunities for support. And it's important. There's just nothing like getting around other people who get it, right? Who you don't have to qualify your experience or explain, you know, the humor of a situation or the entire background of everything that you're experiencing. So I often find caregivers are resistant to support groups, but once they get involved and start getting around people who are having the same experiences, it again can can be that almost weight lifted off their shoulders. I think we've all experienced those caregivers who just like seem to get it, who do it really well. I'm curious about your experience, Jerry. What are what are the secrets of the caregivers who just do this really well? 
I think they're ones who can acknowledge that this is difficult, that they've taken on this role and that it's not always easy. I think just verbalizing that can can bring some freedom to people because I think we tend to think, oh, I have to be strong and bear it and not let people know that some days I, I struggle with this. I think people who can hold that concept that Dr. Boss talks about of both and, you know, sometimes things are just good enough also. And um, letting go of some of our perfectionism, if my person's healthy and they've been fed today, that may be the best that I can do. And, and that's good enough. I think using humor is a great tool to help enrich the care partner experience. And I think there are so many moments of joy. I mentioned earlier someone whose parent wasn't always the kindest to them as a child, but now this person is so appreciative of everything that their daughter does for them. Being able to see those moments of joy and to create those moments of joy and opportunity in the caregiving experience can help to enrich it. And I think the caregivers and care partners who do well at their role as a care partner are ones that inhabit all these qualities and who know when to ask for help and how to care for themselves. It's a big job. It certainly is. And we're so grateful for all of your insights today, Jerry. Uh, before we end our discussion, please give us your final thought when it comes to caregiving. I think it's such an honor to be able to be there and support someone in your life through this passage in their life. And I think acknowledging your role, asking for help, bringing a sense of humor and compassion to what you do and making sure to take care of yourself, that's the recipe for being successful at being a dementia caregiver. Today, our conversation has been with Jerry Jacobs a licensed clinical social worker with Banner Alzheimer's Institute. We appreciate you helping us untangle caregiving. Thank you, Heather and Janice. It's been wonderful to be with you today. Oh, thank you, Jerry. It really was fabulous to have you on the podcast. And I think the thing that's going to stick with me the most is that when we care for another person, we're sharing an expression of love. And so thank you for that and for this time together. And thank you, Heather, for another great conversation. And of course, thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you for joining us. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast. I'm looking forward to our next conversation on Dementia Untangled. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dementia Untangled. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dementia Untangled is hosted by Heather Mulder and Janice Greeno, produced and edited by Amber Ayers, and is brought to you by Banner Alzheimer's Institute and Banner Sun Health Research Institute. We are supported by generous donations to the Banner Alzheimer's Foundation. Please visit our website at bannerhealth.com slash Alzheimer's and follow us on Facebook to learn about upcoming events. If you have questions or comments, please email us at dementiauntangled at bannerhealth.com. Mm -hmm.